So, all things work together for our good. In all these things, these present sufferings, we are more than conquerors. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from God. You know, something that I admire about the pastoral staff here at Peachtree is the scholarship and academic acumen that the speaker brings to this pulpit each week. I've been on the other side of sermon preparation a time or two, and I know that a lot goes into it. And so, as a guest preacher here today, I want you to know that I'm trying to live up to that standard. And in an effort to do that, I recently completed a 66-hour online training all about human relationships and interactions. I have to say, I, as, as Reverend, the other Reverend General alluded to earlier, I am kind of the studious type. And so I found this riveting. Um, this training was broken down into 88 45 minute long modules, and it was designed to be a complete at your own pace type of program. But I really dove in head first. In fact, I just finished the last module a few nights ago, around 2 a.m. So, um, let me tell you about it. <laughs> the training was a case study into the lives of one wealthy Colombian family that owns a coffee estate and exportation company. Just imagine the most beautiful, lush, rolling hills covered with coffee plants, um, beautiful countryside, and as students, we enter into the scenario after the death of the family patriarch, who was this amazing, moral leader of his community, wonderful father, upstanding gentleman in all regards. But once he is gone, his family's way of living together is completely destabilized. If you know anything about family systems, dynamics, of course, of course they were destabilized after such a figure was gone, right? And kind of as a result, the adult, his adult children all start to make big and concerning life changes. The oldest son, who is now in charge of the company, begins living off of the family dollar and even laundering money. Things really begin to unravel for him. The oldest daughter falls in love with somebody none of her family members have met, and he turns out to be a world-class con artist. The youngest daughter and black sheep of the family is trying to open a restaurant at the family's estate, which was one of her father's dying wishes. However, all of her siblings vote against her, and she's not allowed to do it. And the second to oldest son, falls in love with, an, with a worker from the estate, a little scandalous. And as soon as he does, his ex comes back onto the scene, claiming to have his biological child in order to break him up with his new love. But what he doesn't know is she is also expecting his child. So 
At this point, you may be wondering where you can sign up to do this training. <laughs> and I can tell you, you can find it streaming on Peacock because I am, of course, talking about the telenovela Café con Aroma de Mujer, which I spent most of the summer binge-watching. And in case anyone is unaware, a telenovela is a Spanish-speaking soap opera. So, yes, I am here fessing up to spending the equivalent of three whole days of my life watching a bad remake of a 90s telenovela. Um, thanks be to Christ Jesus our Lord that in him and through the redemption of our faith, nothing is completely wasted. Am I right? Um, so, I could go deep into the drama between Margara and Maracucha over Aurelio, who really wasn't man enough for either of them, if we're being honest, or the absurdity of Gaviota's illegal trip up to New York and the mysterious circumstances under which Don Octavio died. Hmm. But there was one character in all of this mess whose story wasn't all that far-fetched. Though she was not the typical two-dimensional, irredeemable villain that her oldest son, Ivan, was, Doña Julia, the family matriarch and new widow, was, in my opinion, the most problematic person on the show. As a mother, she was controlling. She played favorites. She turned a blind eye to the wrongs that Ivan was committing because he played by her rules, at least at surface level. He had married a woman from a rich family. She brought status to the family image. Meanwhile, Doña Julia all but disowned her youngest child for being with someone who did not meet her standards. She covered up scandals. She hid the true paternity of her grandchild from her own son. And worst of all, she didn't think twice about doing any of it because she believed she was doing what was best for her family. Has anyone in here ever learned a second language or tried to learn a second language? Thank you for trying, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, you know, you will know how frustrating it can be. At least with Spanish, I found that just when I got the hang of a little bit, I felt ready to have a conversation, someone would come at me with an irregular verb. Are you kidding me? And in those moments, there is a decision to make. You can either exasperatedly ask, why? Or you can ask, what? And these are two very different questions. This is something that a Hebrew professor of mine used to say in seminary. When it comes to language, try not to ask why, just ask what. You see, why implies that you think you know a better way to do something, and you feel that an answer must be given as to why your better way isn't the one being implemented. But asking what says, I don't know what is going on, but go ahead, tell me a little bit more. 
what implies curiosity, even wonder. I don't know if you can start to really learn anything in life unless you can make that change from why to what. Andrew and Kate, who you just heard from, <laughs> they must be some of the best real life examples of what I'm talking about. They worked as interns at the campus ministry that I participated in as a student, where I now work, actually. Um, and then, even more, even now, more than 12 years ago, when I didn't have an interesting thought in my head to share, they listened to me as if I was the most interesting person they had ever talked to. As a mentor, specifically Kate, resisted telling me exactly what I should do. And in so doing, helped me to find my own way to a stronger faith. I know it's that same attitude of curiosity and awe which has kept them on the mission field for 10 years. If I can give you, implore you one thing today, it's go talk to them and find out more about what they're doing. I can't think of a more worthy ministry um, for college students. So, sometimes you follow God's call, you get curious and inspired about a new place, you, et cetera, you do it all right, but then you get deported. At least that's what happened to the Reverend Genelats in our second year of ministry in Valencia, Spain. And it's a rather frustrating, embarrassing, really, story about paperwork errors, teammate miscommunication. But I can tell you, as a believer, an inconvenience will reveal a lot about your faith. And this inconvenience nearly wrecked mine. I was newly pregnant, reeling from the surprise of that, I, and I couldn't bear the thought of having to tell our supporters that a large chunk of their money would not be spent ministering to college students in Spain, but on a trip back to the States to restart the months-long visa process. The why mentality set in quickly. God, I thought you called us to be missionaries. Why are you doing this? Why would you let this happen? Why would you orchestrate this unique combination of minor language misunderstandings and clerical errors and bring them together in the perfect combination that would have us sent home in the middle of the semester and with a baby on the way? I thought that all things work together for my good. I never put it to words, but in my heart, I threatened God. You better turn this thing around or else. <laughs> but regardless, at the, end of the, at the end of the month, we had to leave. No amount of redone paperwork or even the lawyer that we hired, yes, we hired a lawyer to try and turn this de deportation decision around. None of it was changeable, and we went back home. Of course, far removed and in a different place in my walk with God, I, I see now that I got to share some special moments with my family during that time. They got to walk alongside me in my pregnancy, which is something that would not have happened if we hadn't been forced 
back to the States. I know many of you are listening and knowing in your hearts that there are worse things than being deported and sent safely home. As Paul puts it in our passage today, death, life, spiritual forces, powers beyond our control, life's heights and depths, none of these things are going anywhere. But there is hope if we see Paul's qualifier. To most of us, it's a given that we gloss over. It's a word so vital to what Christians claim that I think sometimes we forget to understand it. It's like a challenge we lose because we think we have already won. I'm talking about the word I've skipped over twice now. Did you notice? It's love, of course. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. In all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loved us. And nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Gloss over that word. Assume you've got it down. And these verses won't save you from a thing. Their promises will fall on deaf ears and hard hearts. Why do bad things happen to good people? If God is all-powerful and all-good, then why doesn't he just take control of this situation? Well, if God did that, would we have anything different to say about God's love than we have to say about the twisted, self-serving love we see every day? Around the 84th of 88 episodes, something started to shift in the heart of Doña Julia Vallejo. I need you to imagine a woman so convinced that she was doing the best for her family, that she loved her family, so convinced by these things that she would rather see them all suffer then change her own mind. This all started to change when she began to truly love someone for perhaps the first time in her life, her grandchild. And I'm not talking about the fake grandchild that Lucia falsified the paternity test just so that Sebastian would get back with her. I'm talking about Ferdinando, her biological grandson. Um, <laughs> And Doña Julio's love for Fernando was so powerful that she began to surrender her way of thinking. She was willing to do anything to be able to keep seeing him, even change her mind. As if by truly loving one, she could finally love all. In my own last earthly conversation, with my mother-in-law, she spoke to me about how wonderful and precious my children were to her. She was not concerned about how they would turn out. 
or what they should be doing with their lives as they grow. There was just love that was in awe of its subjects. My mother-in-law, Maggie, called these promises at the end of Romans 8 her life verses. And this was her favorite passage because in it, through true love, she found the way forward for her life. And I believe she still does to this day. So what is your way forward? Is it love? Or is it something else claiming to be? It's easy to know the answer. Is your love patient and kind? Is your love careful not to envy or boast or be proud? Does your love refuse to dishonor others, to be self-seeking or easily angered? Does it keep no record of wrongs? Does your love not rejoice in evil, but delight in truth? Does your love always protect, always trust, always hope, and always persevere? Is yours a love that never ends? I think there's a challenge for us all. I really enjoy working with college students because their mindset is already one of learning. But I believe every one of us are students and all of our course material should lead us to the exact same conclusion, love. And study we must, for through loving God and others as Jesus commanded, we can be ready. And when we are ready, life's hardships will become our teachers.